Named after the mechanism that separates the sweet wort from the spent grains, False Bottom Girls features two beer experts filtering through the brewing industry to guide listeners through the wonderful, yet sometimes confusing, world of beer. Hi, my name is Rachel Hudson. I'm the co-owner and head brewer of Pilot Brewing in Charlotte, North Carolina, and an advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair. I'm the beer program coordinator with New Realm Brewing in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am also an advanced Cicerone. Webster's Dictionary defines podcast greatness. Are we recording? Yes. Well. <laughs> As two beer experts yeah. filtering through the something but sometimes confusing world of craft beer. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but Wikipedia could. Sure. Do, 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 do you know that they thing? took gullible out of the dictionary? No, shut up. <laughs> I am not falling for that one. <laughs> uh, sorry, everyone. I feel like I'm still waking up. Yeah, this is another early one, and I did realize that after we recorded the re-recorded, the, you deleted it. Yeah, <laughs> I deleted it again. Oh, um, We're I just not doing it again. I realized that um, we told people to say what sorts of voices they wanted you to read the terms in, but we're recording this now, so it's just going to be normal voices. Okay, good. Or I guess like slightly sleepy and stuffed up voices. <laughs> No, no, I'm waking up, I'm waking up, <laughs> woo! So I had a cool, you know, real quick intro story. One, we're going to talk about terms today of the brewing world that you hear all the time, either maybe on like just in the tap room or on a beer tour, or if you're learning about brewing, uh, maybe you're switching from DME brewing to all grain. I get that a lot. Like mm-hmm. I get a lot of DME brewers and I'll explain who'll come in for a brew day and, you know, we all grain. So we're like, all right, we're going to start the lauder. Like, they don't know these terms, lauder or Vorloff, because they've never had to do anything like right. that. Um, so, you know, and um, some of these will resonate with you more than others, and some will stand out, and some just get, I, you know, I kind of wish we could ask people what they wanted to know more specifically about, but I guess there's Google yeah. for that. Yeah, well, we don't... <laughs> I mean, we have a I podcast mean, because we don't want to have conversations. Ah, so. <laughs> she's right. <laughs> no, just kidding. We love people. Yeah, but I think... And I love talking about beer. We, when we're talking about terms, and we do, I think we usually do a pretty good job of stopping and backing up and saying, if you're not familiar, this is what this yeah. is. Because I know when, you know, I'll be listening to something or reading something and somebody just uses an industry term or jargon or something, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, 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 totally. And then you're, like, on your phone trying to look it up. Yeah. Once, when we first started brewing, Tom knew that he wanted to brew a rye beer. He really likes rye in beer. And we were at Triple C. Right, It was right after they opened. And we were on a tour. And he, you know, we're, we're new homebrewers. So if you've ever been a new homebrewer or if you've ever had to deal with new homebrewers, you know that you're – very proud of yourself, and you're basically the same expertise level as the person you're talking to if you don't know more, <laughs> right? So we're like, yeah, we're... Not everyone, but we're you know. We're <laughs> home brewers, and this is what we're going to brew, and the, um, I think it was Connor, maybe the, no, not Connor, the original brewer who was there. I'm not sure if he's there anymore, but... He, he was like, oh, yeah, well, you'll need to make sure that you have some rice holes in, in there so, you know, it won't get sticky. And we're like, yeah, we know. <laughs> and then we walked away, and it's like, 
did he say rye skulls? <laughs> rye, what was he saying? Like, what are what are skulls? Like rye? And then we looked up, we're like, oh, rice holes. But yeah, yeah we had we had no idea we were going to need rice holes. Yeah. Because the mash is going to be really sticky. And so, um, yeah, just a... Yeah. No, and that's part of the learning experience and troubleshooting. Yes. But, you know, it's funny because... Little side note, um, we recently... Side note to the side note to the side note. Well, just kind of, this is a good, um, if you are into learning more about, like, kind of like a... I I know that, I guess what I'm trying to say is Jen and I are so ingrained in the beer industry, like in our daily jobs, in our lingo, that we really do just, like, spit out these words. And unless you are familiar with that, you're just, sometimes you just don't know what we're talking about. So, you know, last night... We had I had uh, these two guys come into the pot, uh, brewery who do their own podcast called Craft Beer Bucket List. Mm-hmm. They were super awesome. I just want to say a shout out. If if you're looking for another podcast, this could be a cool one because one guy owns a brewery. Um, I'd have to look it up. I can't remember. And the other guy just loves craft beer but doesn't really know that much. So they kind of approach this in a way of like learning about those different terms and stuff and really break it down in a if you're trying to like learn more about some terms and like uh, an entry level way of breaking down, maybe what you're tasting because they go through and taste three beers. And so they're talking about like what they're tasting, what they're smelling. And one guy is very new to this. Like a lot of people are. So it's very helpful. I would say to maybe check them out if you're yeah. Shout out. I think they were awesome. Uh, They came by to check us out. They said they've heard of our podcast. They, yeah. Thank you. Beer page love for recommending. Yeah. She, you said she was one who gave the shout yeah. out, right? Yeah, they, they were like posted on Instagram. They were coming to Charlotte, and Beer Page Love was uh, all like, "Go to Pilot, their podcast is awesome." <laughs> I was like, "Yes!" <laughs> I like liked it all as Pilot. <laughs> that will make them come. <laughs> They're super awesome. So check out that, you know. But kind of cool is what we're talking about today. Really diving into some terms. Um, kind of like to approach it maybe as like, a, let's say you're walking into the brewery for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, let's you got uh, the door. you see all these uh, tanks back there and this and that and vessels. And let's say maybe you go on a tour. Man, that's a <laughs> really get thrown into a lot of terms. <laughs> I think, you know, just thinking back on um, when I started brewing, like, there's a lot of terms, you know, that like, ton, like, T-U-N versus mm-hmm. T-O-N. I was like, okay, ton. This is the mash ton, T-O-N. <laughs> like, I didn't, I really, I wasn't, like, putting together the, you know, I was just like, oh, no, ton, like a, like a vessel. I get it. Right. <laughs> um, one of the things I, I'm in charge of at the brewery is our tours program, and so I've been training people on how to give tours and a lot of that necessarily is here's the equipment this is what it does and in the in the same way as just like throwing off terms and not thinking about mm-hmm. it I said yeah those are those over there are the liquor tanks and this one <laughs> lady that was I was um training was like those are filled with liquor <laughs> we've got liquor here <laughs> and I was like, no, Down. yeah, Down. when, so yeah, brewing term, yeah. when water is used for brewing is referred to as liquor. So you have yeah. a hot liquor tank and a cold liquor yeah. tank, and that just means that's the hot water and the cold water. And but normally like, it's also like, up. yeah, <laughs> her, normally it's like, it's like the filtered water, whatever they did to treat that water is in there normally. Right. And 
that's what's used for brewing and, and cleaning typically. Right. And hot liquor tanks, you'll see them H, you know, hot liquor, hot, you know, L. HLT. HLT. Yeah, that's right. HLT. I should have fucking done that. <laughs> CLT. And you'll see that hot liquor tank, cold liquor tanks. You see HLT, CL, CLT on the tanks. And a lot of times the hot liquor the that's used for... um. Um, sorry, the cold liquor. I'm sorry, the cold water that's used for knocking out, like to make the the when when the step of your cooling down the wort before you pitch the right. yeast, just gets recirculated back into the hot liquor tank. Right, which is nice and fancy. You know, when you're at a fancy brewery that's set up for stuff like that, because uh, yeah, at home you're using your groundwater, which is completely fine. Right, like, it's not a big deal. But when you're brewing like you know sixty barrels of beer at a time, it's good to try to reuse your water. Right. So they they are set up in a way so they can be. Uh, save save water which is nice too but yeah right that's what they're called and um you know i think a lot of things that you see on tanks back there if you walk back there is barrel either Mm -hmm. bbl or bl um fv sometimes it's fv1 fv2 um i thought that was fermentation well that is fermentation okay sorry (laughs) i was like hold on um (laughs) like on a fermentation vessel you might see like fv1 30 barrel Right. Or 30 BBL. Right. BBL is barrel. And barrel is, brewers talk about the amount of production of beer they do in yearly basis by the amount of barrels. Right. So two kegs of what you know, like what you're used to seeing, the big kegs on the TV and what you get, you know, the when you have a party, those are half barrels. And those are the biggest kegs you buy because having a whole barrel of beer is just like too heavy and no one wants to really like, right. deal with that. But um, so... We so brewers sell beer by the half barrel, by the quarter barrel, by the six barrel, whatever options they may have. Right, and that's how we say that's how much production we're doing in a year. So, right. which is always very confusing to me, just because yeah. I don't like think in terms of yeah. barrels. But I can understand if you tell me that you do three thousand barrels a year, I understand what that yeah. means. It means you're not making a ton of beer. Yeah, that's a lot of beer for me. <laughs> right, right. So I say, give you an example. Like last year, we probably did about, or our first whole year, we probably did about like 250 barrels. Okay. And our brewery can probably handle like 550 at max. So um, it's funny because at Noda Brewing, it's a 60 barrel system. Mm-hmm. It, um, so I'm brewing 60 barrels at a time. We're brewing um, four times to do a, t- to fill a 240 barrel tank. Right. When I was at left hand, we had a 60 barrel system. We were brewing eight times to fill a 480 barrel tank in 26 hours. Jeez. So I literally brewed like more beer in one shift <laughs> at left hand. <laughs> than I could pilot brewing in a year. It's a huge difference, but, um, so a half keg, like what those big kegs everyone's used to seeing and realize mm-hmm. notices that it's keg, is about 125 pints of beer. Right, gives you a little perspective. Uh, a small quarter keg, or six barrel keg, is about 41 pints. But so that is a uh, that's how breweries. You know, when they see on the on the brewing system, on the mash ton, it might be a, a three-barrel three system or a six-barrel system. Or right. if you hear the bartender saying, like, oh, we have a three-barrel system, we have a 20-barrel system. Right. That means they can brew 20 barrels of beer at a time, which is 40 big kegs. Um, and typically, the fermenting vessels will be double or triple the size, and they'll brew two or three times to fill them up. 
Right. We do that at New Realm. Yeah. We have, it's funny, so we went through this whole thing about barrels, and our system is a 25 hectoliter system. So yes, <laughs> I had to learn that you, that, that, that equates is, to about 22 barrels. Yes. <laughs> you Yes, that's another way that a lot of breweries, uh, brewing systems are sold in hectoliter sizes. Right, and we like, have a German manufacturing exactly. system, so and, it's um, hectoliters. But, you know, if you want to convert all that, yeah, it, it, you that's a whole nother side of right, it. Right, right. For the sake of this episode. Also, not to be confused with barrels that you can use like for barrel, barrel aging. aging. Yeah. That was something that was really confusing to me and yeah. when I was first learning about beer. Um, because, again, it's it's what we said. You hear people say things because that's what they do every day. And yeah. so it doesn't it, it doesn't always register with you that when you say – yeah, we have a, a 40, 40 barrel system and we've got 25 barrels that we're aging beer in. It's like, wait, so what? do you have barrel? 15 okay. barrels? Yeah. Like what? What they mean is like an oak barrel or wine right. barrel. And, and to even be more confusing, whiskey barrels tend to be like what? 53, 55 gallons? Yes. Uh, which is a barrel of beer is 31 gallons. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going down this rabbit hole. So just realize, you know, if someone, if, you, if you're confused, if you think they're talking about a barrel that maybe they're aging some beer in, just ask them what type of barrel. Right. And if they say wood or oak or wine, then, you know, it's, they're talking about <laughs> a barrel right. aged beer. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so I could totally see how all that, is confusing, especially when you're learning. I mean, there's so many right. ways to do all these different things to beer, like sour aging, barrel aging, you know, wort chillers or the cool ships. I mean, and which is another term, cool ship. Yeah, I mean, that's when uh, if you've ever so when brewing in lambic styles and lambic breweries, like before refrigeration, they would cool down the wort by sit, letting it sit in what's called a cool ship. It's right. a short vessel where they would let cool overnight and welcome, intentionally welcome, like sour-inducing right. funk from the air. Uh, so a lot of these breweries now build these cool ships. They look like shallow pools, mm-hmm. and they're like typically square, long, rectangle or something, and they'll pump the wort in there after brew day. Let it cool, open up maybe some vents, do the same thing. They're mimicking what uh, Lambic breweries would do in Belgium. So, but that is, if you hear someone say, oh, we have a cool ship, that is for making sour wort. Right. And immediately and, ask if there's anything in it and, if, and also if you can go look at it. Yes. Because it cool, be cool ships are bad to the bone. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime I can see I did, actively it, fermenting beer in a cool ship, I'm just oh, like, yeah. can go look. Cool ship. Yeah. I saw, I saw someone the other day with a cool ship um, uh, lapel pin. Oh, really? I got so excited. <laughs> I was like, is that a cool ship lapel pin? He's like, I can, I love it when people know what it is. <laughs> I was like, give it to me. That's and awesome. I stole it. I didn't, but I always thought about it. He was at you my said that when up. you were wearing the coat made entirely of lapel pins that you have. So, you know, you're walking through the brewery, a beer tour. I think it's kind of hard for me to, like, come back and think of everything. Of like, right. Well, so we've got yeah. the mash ton, and like you yeah. said, it's T-U-N, which is just a, an old brewing term. So yeah. brewing also, still has a lot of archaic yeah. brewing terms You in say it. kettle, boil ton, kettle. If you if you hear kettle, they're talking about the boil. Right. The boil ton. So, and it, a lot of times, bigger breweries will have four vessel systems, meaning they'll have a mash ton, and then they'll have a whole separate vessel for laudering, mm-hmm. which is separating the sugar water from the spent grain. 
and then they'll have the boil, and then they'll even have a whole separate vessel for Whirlpool, mm-hmm. which I'm sure that's what we have. New Realm does. Yeah. And then they'll even have like a whole separate vessel for a hop pack sometimes. Mm-hmm. Which we fun. have hop dosers. Mm-hmm. So and, our system is completely and hop, automated. And hop dosers, not to be confused with hop back. Right. Those are two different things. They are. Hop doser is a uh, left hand got one right when I was leaving after I left. Thanks. <laughs> it's not really. It's after, not really after their hop doser left. It's not they really had to buy one. <laughs> <laughs> they had other hop dosers. Well, that's okay. The hop doser wasn't. The hops weren't the heavy part. It was the freaking lactose and oats getting them up the stairs. But um, yeah, they're like a cool, you know, toy you can get when you have a luxury money to spend. Basically, kind of hooks up to your boil kettle. And you need to pre-put the hops in the each edition, like your 60-minute, 20, whatever. And then it will just do it for you. I remember you telling me that you were like, yeah, left hand. We had to add all of the hops with our left hand. And I was like, <laughs> really? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so really, really strict about it. <laughs> oh, my God. They're like. That would have been hilarious. I would have been like, what? <laughs> Out of spite. Just in my right hand. <laughs> you know, also, like, when you walk in the tap room, like, I think a lot of questions I get are just, like, nitro. Like, mm-hmm. they don't understand. Or, or cask. Or, you know, firkin. Like, these are bo- words we'll have on our board that people are like, what's nitro? Right. What's, you know, I think most people know what nitro beer. Have you ever seen a Guinness bean poured um, at, a, at a restaurant and it kind of cascades up? You know, right. it looks really pretty. And then it's black and then it's got this nice dark tan frothy head that is uh due to the the suspension of nitrogen being broken out through that pour right um so that's just another that's like the same beer as what you're used to as beer it's just a different gas right so co2 beer what you're used to which everything else is is beer forced with co2 or bottle conditioned with co2 another term and then or um a nitronized style but uh so if you see that that beer like, a lot of times we try to have the same beer on, nitro and CO2, so people mm-hmm. try the difference. Cafe Latte Stout is a, a good example. We always have it on CO2, so every new batch we make a keg of nitro. Right. Same beer. I don't do anything different except the gas that's being infused to it. Right. So it's a little bit different of a pro- – like, basically, I transfer the whole beer over to the bright tank, and then right before I add m- the rest of the CO2, I pull some off in a keg. Then I use a special – pump to get the nitrogen in that keg while I carve up the rest of the beer. So right. literally same thing, but question I get asked a lot and, uh, or cask beer, which, uh, is that English way of serving beer. I think one thing to recognize is a lot of times we breweries will, uh, advertise and we do this too. Firkin Friday, mm-hmm. small cast Saturday. Um, mm, something doesn't have the same ring as Firkin Friday. We're doing it now. Okay. <laughs> Happened yesterday. Okay. So cask beer is a style of Serving beer, it's typically pulled into a barrel, but, you know, more so in the older day. Now they're pulled into something called pin or firkin, and mm-hmm. those are units of measurement. So we'll have a pin sitting on the bar, but we're saying firkin Friday. Right. Because it sounds cool when we right. were doing firkin Friday. Yeah, pin Friday. Pin Friday doesn't have as good as right. term. But we actually have a pin on the bar. So pin means five ga- 5.4 gallons. is a unit of measurement right. for the vessel that's sitting on the bar. Just like a keg is a half barrel, a six barrel. And then Firkin is like a 10 gallon, 10.8 right. gallon. Cask, they're all cask beers. Pin is just a small size. Firkin is just a little bit bigger. And then they go up even bigger too. When you get over like Magnum and. Right. Hogshead. Kildrickin. Mm-hmm. Not Magnum. 
That was a trick question on a freaking test. <laughs> magnums are hot. God, they got yeah. Me. Well, and you also get magnums of like, wine. I feel like uh, I feel like they did that to me. <laughs> I never would have said that if it wasn't. <laughs> I remember that being. I took this test three times. Right. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the power cistern right there. Right. In but, your head forever. Uh, a cask, beer served on cask is different from cask conditioned beer. Yes. So that's, um, you might hear yes. also real ale. So real ale is a beer that's been, that undergoes a secondary fermentation in its yeah. serving vessel and is, and is served without the use of um, added air. That's not the precise definition. But I know it is that you it it it's naturally carb it undergoes right, natural carbonation. Yes. We don't add any extra carbonation right. to it. And then it's sometimes you can just kind of tap them on the bar and let them gravity feed when mm -hmm. you service, or you can hook them up to a cask engine. Right. To confuse you more. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what when I tell people, I'm like, if you ever see somebody who's pulling. Uh, cask, like pulling the beer engine. I was like, it's like when you had friends in high school who worked at the ice cream shop over the summer and just got like really super buff because they were like digging that hard <laughs> ice cream all the time. Like that's what it's like to serve. I just got carpal tunnel from that. <laughs> I did. I had ice cream job. Did you really? No, but not really. But you know, I didn't get buff. <laughs> my hurt. My wrist hurt. <laughs> Probably got fat from ice cream. <laughs> I know another term that. I see a lot that I always have to look up is SRM versus EBC. Mm -hmm. And those, so SRM is, it's really funny because SRM describes what the, the color of the beer is. That's, that's the chart we use to describe, we assign a number value to it. Just stands for standard reference method, which I think yeah. is just really boring. You know, like you, you think that there'd be something in there about like name's beer. So boring beer color so like in each bjcp style if you're looking through the guidelines they give you a srm range like mm -hmm. this style of beer should be within this srm and it's one through 40 and it starts with like very very pale light straw right to black jet black it's a scale that only means something to you if you study kind of like fahrenheit right like you understand that 40 is black because you know that 40 is black right but um it's a guide for judging probably more yeah. than anything. It's like, I mean, really, like, it's also, no, I take that back because it's also a good guide for brewing because a lot, I think a lot of times, let's say you have an amber ale, a lot of people are just like dosing it with that caramel malt because they're trying to get the color. Mm -hmm. That can kind of be misleading because you don't necessarily want all that sweetness. Like, a lot of times, just doing a little bit of chocolate malt that you can't taste it from, but just getting right. the color addition is going to make the beer taste better. But here you are, like, got to match that SRM number, you right. know? And that can that can kind of suck. But it, if you understand what different malts do a little bit better, then it is a good guide of, like... I, I like to stay within the guides, personally, just because I like to brew to enter competitions and, right. you know, got to stay in the guides. And I just like to brew to style. And, and it they're, they're there for a reason. I mean, it's not, and it's also just a guide. So it's not like you have to, oh, if I don't have my SRM within the range, it's not this style. Like... It's fine. Remember, Belgian brewers don't even care about style. I brewed a Czech dark lager yesterday that may end up being a Czech amber lager. Oh, I've totally done that before. Like, ooh, this uh, brown ale is now amber ale or red ale. <laughs> right. Did I, I like, once I used the wrong, um, I used American malt instead of, and I thought I was using chocolate malt. Mm -hmm. And that's like a whole different 
of 100 SRM. Right. Like points that that malt, even though it's a little bit of malt, still contributing to the overall beer. Right. The beer, the, um, so it came out lighter, but you know, it was still okay. It's not like it's gonna, it's not like you can't drink it. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's when I was brewing it, I was like, well, I'll, I'll see. And it, it may qualify as dark lager. We'll just see what it looks like once it's finished fermenting. And, um, but it will be a very light dark lager. <laughs> that's okay. But if you're, if you're looking at European books also, you might see EBC, which is the European, uh, brewing convention in terms of color. So SRM is roughly half of yes. EBC. So if you want to figure out what EBC would be, you would take your SRM color, multiply it by 1.97, and that gives you EBC. And then, you know, vice versa, you can uh, multiply, yeah, EBC by point, point 0.5, basically, and mm-hmm. figure that out. But it's it's one of those things where, like, you hear it and you see it all the time. And it, it for me, at least, it seemed like it was kind of a confusing thing until I looked at the definition and was like, oh, okay, I get it now. And even more confusingly, though, is that maltsters still use Lovabind for their yeah for their colors. And so I don't, do you know? I don't I know don't. off the top of my head. I know that, like you were saying, like a chocolate malt would be, say, like 200-some Lovabond, whereas a Pilsner will be like two. Let me pull up. So it's, it's sort of close to SRM and EBC. Yeah, so like Beersmith, which is what I use when Mm -hmm. I write my recipes, gives me SRM. It's it's like understanding the difference between Fahrenheit and and calculus and be able to do it like that in your head. You mean Celsius? I mean Celsius. (laughs) (laughs) Calculus. It's also hard for me, you know? (laughs) No, yeah, no, but like I understand the difference between Fahrenheit and Celsius, but I can't with, well, not all the numbers. Can I just immediately convert? Like right, the obvious ones I can, like the t- end, right. the scales. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, if like, I see somebody say uh, like... Zero to 100. <laughs> right, if somebody's like, it's 30C today, I'm like, oh, that's yeah. cold. And I'm like, wait, no. Yeah. Or is it hot? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of, it's just a, another way of, of scaling it. But yeah, I, I have to go back and look. I was looking, just kind of glancing, reading the... Uh, it looks like a more history thing. You know, everything started out as Lovey Bond. Of course, yeah. It's an American true fashion, how we change everything. <laughs> we don't want to learn that. We'll just make up our own thing. Yeah, what is up with that? You know, it just we seems so easier. Yeah, so, like, there's so many terms, and we could, God, and we I, could do We have this whole list of terms, and I think we've only actually defined, like, two things. No, no that's not true. <laughs> we talk about a lot. You just, you know, no, like, it's all, see, it comes back to us just talking about in our lingo. Right. We do. Explain cast beers and cast that and cast this and <laughs> bung. Bung. Bung's I, I have a just a quick list in front of my face and bung is what I saw. Bung is a part of that goes in the cask to seal the cask. That's a fun right. hole. <laughs> uh, I mean word. <laughs> 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 the next word oh, below no. bung is bunghole. I swear <laughs> to God, this is brewery terms. That's why I actually said that. The round hole in the side of the cask, or older style keg, <laughs> through which the vessel is filled with beer and then sealed with the bung. The bunghole. <laughs> it is a fun hole. Oh, man. That one made me tear up a little bit with <laughs> laughter. God, there's so many. Um, 
There is a lot. Well, when we've talked a lot about um, carbonation things, so uh, like forced carb when somebody's saying versus bottle conditioned, right? Yeah, and which you you know if you go to a craft beer bar, if you're maybe you're reading a description on the bottle or something, but. A lot of these, you know, Belgian style beers are, mm-hmm. a lot of these things are bottle conditioned. And what that is, and if you're a home brewer, you're probably very familiar with this too. Mm-hmm. But what it's when you, uh, the beer is finished and now it needs to be carbonated. But in a lot of it's typical American breweries, most, uh, I still need to go to Europe, I mean, um, England and visit like breweries over there. Mm-hmm. But I know Belgian brewery, it is not the tradition over there to force carb. They bottle conditioned everything. Right. Um, Which is when uh, when we were there, that was something that I knew, like I knew. Yeah. But going into bars, like they don't, if they've got taps, it's like Lafay or um, Jupiler. And if you order a Chimay, they get a bottle and open yeah. it. And f- like it took me a second to realize like, oh, yeah, they they always bottle condition. Yeah. So you're getting like a fresher product, but it's still in a bottle. It's not from draft. Yeah. Yes. Yes. This is happening in bottles. And you know, uh, Sierra Nevada bottle conditions everything. No, they don't. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh-uh. F- fucking look it up <laughs> right now. I'm so, look, it's on their bottle, bottle conditions. I own family argued over, operated, something like that, and bottle conditioned. No way. Oh, my God, I love it when this happens. <laughs> We're both furiously typing into our laptops. What is the sediment I discovered in the bottom of the bottle of sediment? What is, uh, that is just FAQ, Sierra Nevada. Yeah, what beers do you bottle conditioned? How can I find a decade? Where can I find, can I go? Shelf Life, Sierra Nevada, it's distributed. This is me reading all the FAQs real quick on the Sierra Nevada website. What is this? What is bottling conditioning? What beers do you bottle condition? We bottle condition our original five beers. Pale Ale, Porter, Stout, Celebration Ale, and Bigfoot. We can also condition our Pale Ale. Well, then why am I getting Pale Ale in a can? Have you... Do, <laughs> um, <laughs> it just said we can also condition our Pale Ale. <laughs> oh. And it says um, they just do it for their original five beers, I guess. Uh, That's really so, interesting. They and they also, also all the holy fops. Yeah, I was about to say. They what only is wrong s- with these people? I feel like it's so much money and time. But hey, fuck, more kudos to you. I remember um, actually going through that. Like, uh, So one of the other questions here on this website is, what is the sediment I discovered in the mm-hmm. bottle of this bottle? Which is from the bottle conditioning. Right. And that is uh, like, so when you bottle condition, you add a little bit of yeast. And you typically you add, uh, depending if you're doing it at the right state of the beer, you don't have to add any extra priming sugar. There right. should be a little bit of yeast left over in suspension. Maybe maybe as a home brewer, you are a little bit late on that side. And adding a little bit of priming sugar is how you're going to get this uh, carbonation. So right. you add maybe a little priming sugar with your little bit of yeast. You cap your bottles, and then re-fermentation happens in creating that CO2. Right. Just enough to create carbon dioxide. You're not going to, like... Unless you use too much, you're not going to, like, restart fermentation and create pressure right. and pop your cap. Right. But you could. So if you ever – go out there. Go get some Sierra Nevada um, bottles and plus, you know. I'm going to now. They uh, should, you know, sponsor us a little bit for this <laughs> shout-out. I'm just saying. No, but seriously, go out there. Go check it out. Uh, look at the bottom of the bottle. You'll find some white sediments from bottling conditioning. Yeah. They're five core beers. 
uh, brands. They said they're they're pale ale, they're stouts. Sorry, I pulled it back up. They're porter, the celebration ale, and Bigfoot. Nice, cool, fun fact. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because I've always, not always, but I I rarely, rarely, rarely bottle condition. Oh, I God, do no. in yeah, some no. cases, like it's um, a lot of work. A few months ago, I did a smash beer that I have yet to do. We still need to do this experiment, but I brewed a five gallon batch oh, yeah. of just a base beer and then fermented one gallon, five one gallons with five different kinds of English yeast to see, like, can you taste the difference in the English yeast? And since each one was just one gallon, I bottle conditioned all of it. And so I'm sure it's ready now. It's been in the closet, you know, Mm -hmm. for a few months now. But we've always force carbonated. Yeah. And so so force carbonated, you put it it in a keg, you apply CO2. And I I forget that other people don't. So I've been, like, teaching before about – here's the brewing process and like on a homebrew scale, this is what you would do. And somebody will always say then like, well, but I add, what am I doing then when I'm adding sugar to the bottle? And it's like, oh, that's right. A lot of homebrewers do bottle condition because you don't need the same amount of equipment. And I like, I always have to. But you also, you got to go wash all those bottles. You got to sanitize them. Um, It would be best practice if you could purge a little CO2 in there Mm -hmm. before you put your, then you put your, priming sugar in your yeast or just yeast first, right? And then bottle on top? Or do you dose it right before you cap it? I think you put it in first. And do you then think it would make it extra foamy for some reason when you're trying to bottle? Well, I guess it's not carbonated. It's flat. Right. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Have so your detective agency. If you don't want to do all that, which we, God, oh, God, no, we did not do that. But you can find corny kegs pretty easily. And those are those old soda canisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we would just... Cr- Put our beer in the refrigerator, get it really cold, clean, sandy, our purge our keg, put it in there, and then we have a quick carb. It's, uh, right. it's literally a pump called quick carb you can get from Blickman, and it would pull the beer out of the corny keg into the pump, out of the pump, back into the keg, through a uh, carb stone that we hook up to CO2. Right. So now we're force carbing, and that's your force carb where you're pushing the um, CO2 into the beer. And we do it at the brewery, too, with our big tanks. We, right. We condition the whole tank so everything's got an equal co2 volume everything's the same beer it's a blended product it's very consistent and then we keg it do you guys have a gas blender or is everything co2 unless it's nitro blend oh we have a short draw system right so we don't need any of that i didn't think so but yeah. then we have um, one for our nitro keg mm-hmm. we have five like the guinness tank. like the guinness small tank. tanks yeah, yeah. they don't okay. have any big ones like so when we make nitro beer we give it we have a blend so mm-hmm. first we have a nitro, and then we have a blend nitro. Our blend nitro is like a 70-30. That means 70% nitrogen and Mm -hmm. 30% CO2. Right. So when we go to make a nitro beer, we do like a few minutes on that blend because it still needs a little CO2. Right. And then we finish it with 100% nitro. Okay. But when we serve the nitro keg, which the other beer bars should be doing, you have to serve it on that blend. Right. Right. Exactly. So you got to make sure you're if you have both 100% nitro, and the blend, which you probably don't unless you're the brewery, um, then you got to make sure you're you're using the right one. Right, um, right. Yeah, it's funny the like the CO two and um, into again, it's things that you don't you forget how much you know and how much because particularly with us with all the studying that we do, 
you forget that you have all of these building blocks, right? That you like at one point started when you didn't know what, like how, how do I get carbonation into a beer or whatever? Oh yeah. When you go in, like you look at these tanks and like, how do you get it from there to there? You know, right. it's like, and to me it's very, uh, a pump. Right. Oh, not even actually just a hose and some pressure. Right. <laughs> Such a short right. thing for me. Right. But, but, but at left hand, it'd be like, well, I hook up two buildings worth of pipe work. Right. <laughs> and then I turn on this huge centrifuge that is literally the biggest this room. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's a whole different world, but. Right. But I was at um, HomebrewCon this past summer and sat in on a draft systems presentation and it was like, you know, for home, home draft stuff. And somebody asked, well, why can't I just use nitrogen? And in my head, I was like, well, doy, like you can't, nitrogen wouldn't do, do it wouldn't do anything. And yeah, um, yeah. I was, I was in a micromatic course at CBC earlier uh, this year and they, you know, they're talking about micromatic is the big draft systems company. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about the same thing, like getting a good blend and the guy next to me th said the same thing. He's like, well, why wouldn't, why couldn't you just use nitrogen? And I was like, well, and let me tell you, because you might not know this, but I'm in a fancy room. <laughs> 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 but it is, you know, it's stuff like that that you forget that. Well, you get, when you get to work with it every day. Right. Which I like have literally been doing since I was legally allowed to serve alcohol at yes. 18. Because I've always worked at a restaurant, and when I was 19, I started working at beer bars, and when I was 21, I started learning how to clean draft lines, and it's just the way I grew up. Right. It's right. the way I grew up. And yeah. I don't know anything else. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you forget that there, there are all those things, which is part of why, a big part of why we decided to do an episode on terms. Mm -hmm. And we didn't just go through and read off a bunch of definitions. No. But I will say, I know we've mentioned this before, the Oxford Companion to Beer, fantastic resource to yeah. have. Uh, I think it needs to be updated because, like, it doesn't even have an entry for Gosa in it. Yeah. Um, and that's not like that's a, very common. That's not like a dad joke. Like Rachel, did you know that Gosa is not in the Oxford Companion to Beer? Uh, but Why is that funny? It's not funny. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry, I didn't Somebody get it. Woke I, had up. A, I had a disconnect. I don't know. Because <laughs> I said gullible isn't in the dictionary. Oh. I get it. Sorry. Throw back to the an hour ago. Oh my god. I'm sorry. Anyway, so the Oxford Companion <laughs> to Beer is available for free on Craft Beer and Brewing. So I think it's beerandbrewing.com backslash dictionary. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a fantastic resource. And that's I use that all the time. And uh, I mean, just also like in life, I have the dictionary app on my phone. So if I see a word or hear something that I don't know, I just take a quick second to look it up. And that's a great thing about the technology that we have yeah. today. Yeah, really. Seriously. And I really, I encourage everyone when you hear, I mean, when you hear anything that you're not familiar with to look it up, but um, particularly since that resource is available for free online, when you hear a brewing term, just look it up. And um, I know I've done that with, with brewing terms before too, and I've found somebody else to say like, okay, Rachel, I read this and this is my understanding of it. Is that correct? Because I'm like I'm not a mechanically minded person, I I'm not a chemistry oh, minded yeah. person. So when you come at things, it from different angles, right? I yeah. really have to stumble through a lot of stuff yeah. and then like find somebody who does know what they're talking about to say, "Am I understanding this yeah. correctly?" It's like reading the book Water. 
The, like the, yes. the, be- the Brewer's Publication books, the hops, yeast, mm-hmm. malt water. Like water for me, like, oh, my God. I still, I'm, I definitely am a lot better with it now. Mm-hmm. But, man, that book is, like, kind of rough to kind of navigate. Dense. You got to... Got a good understanding of like kind of water right. chemistry already. I feel like and right, and I, I mean, I've, <laughs> I've probably read that book like three times, and each time it gets a little bit easier. But I'm at the point now where I, you know, we we talked about this in the last episode. I for each beer I brew, I treat the water somehow, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and using like the brew and water spreadsheet, I I know now, like okay, I, I need to I need a little bit more calcium, but I don't need as much sulfate, so I'm gonna see I'm gonna do calcium chloride. I understand that, and I understand why I'm using it. Yeah. But like, if you asked me right now, no, why yeah. are you? What? Yeah. Well, why did you add that much? I'd be like, because well, that's what you do. Well, let me grab this calculator out and try to explain it. <laughs> no, right. no, really, because you get a lot to put in there. I get it. Right. But yeah, the the water book is definitely, it's starting to get easier. I had to explain to somebody the other day again with terms. I was um, we were talking about beer flavors and their sources, and I said something. I had them try distilled water atlanta water evian to show them that water is not tasteless yeah and i had said something about you know like dublin and london being very good having high alkaline waters and that was good for them brewing dark beers and that's really where the how those styles developed and somebody was like hold on hold on wait how would that how though why 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 is using dark malts good with alkalinity like if you have a high alkaline water and high carbonate water and i had to be like okay i know why but now i have to figure out how to explain it yeah like i I stumbled through an explanation and then was like i'm going to go and look this up to make sure i just told you the correct information but generally it was a way to adjust ph right exactly i was gonna say generally that's you use dark malts to adjust your ph downwards so that works, but yeah, yeah it was. But it was that, like, that was pretty much all their understanding too, right? Like it right. wasn't like when we brew we, this kind of beer is it not good. Better. When we yeah, <laughs> when we brew this kind of beer, it, so it is. wasn't like they were taking pH measurements, right? But right. but that's how like once these tools started coming about too, and like yeah, it's like oh, that's that's why yeah, and then oh, you want to make something like this kind of maybe now we can start adding salts that exactly. emulate this water profile. Exactly. Whole another episode, yes. So, so I think we have to wrap this one up. Yep. So we're about to get on a phone call in about 30 seconds. Right. For our next episode. <laughs> or you, an upcoming episode. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it'll yeah, be our next we episode. We really don't know. It's our life. <laughs> day, one day at a time. That's why we end up with these 830 morning slots, because we wait for too long to book a session. Right. And they're like, we have one at 7 a.m. Would you like to come? <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So okay. we'll get better about that. Right. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, please give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at False Bottom Girls. You can also feel free to email us at falsebottomgirls at gmail.com. Please take a second to like, review, subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And yeah, thank you guys. You've all been doing, it's really, really nice. Rachel and I send each other screenshots when people DM us and, you know, and, and just hearing from you, it really makes our day. And I don't think we will ever get tired of that. No, I, it's amazing that people actually listen to this to me. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> my husband would not even listen to it. <laughs> I told him today, I was like, you start listening. So like, if, what if someone comes up to you and like, oh, hey, I heard that really awesome story about you. He's like, what story? I'm like, there's no story. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been False Bottom Girls. And we make the Bruin world go round.